0: Colossians chapter 1 is where we'll be tonight. I want to consider the gospel in the passage before us of Colossians chapter 1. I might as well give you the context of what we're going to deal with, so why don't I begin reading in Colossians 1 verse 3. The Bible says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love of that you have for all the saints because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven of this you have heard before in the word of truth the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth just as you learned it from Epaphras our beloved faithful servant he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So from this text, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, let's consider the gospel that holds a certain and future hope. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you will help us to give our minds to this uh, portion of your word and to contemplate what we would learn from it and perhaps be reminded of this evening. We ask that you'll help us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? That is one of the most common first questions that Christians ask when witnessing. And it's really a penetrating question, because it is asked to get to the heart of what a person believes. Where does your hope lie? And what we find in First Corinthians 1 is hope. Paul greets the Colossian Christians here. He does so with thanksgiving to God because he's received a good report from Epaphras. And the Colossians were marked by two features. They were marked by faith in Christ Jesus and by love for all the saints. And these two marks spring from the hope that they had, as we see in verse 5. And it's this hope. Hope that they have in verse 5 that I want us to consider tonight. And two simple points. The first is that the gospel is where this hope is heard. That's the present nature of this hope. Look at verse 5, halfway through. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth the gospel. So this hope is a hope that is learned. The Colossians did not know about this hope if it had not been for Epaphras. Look at verse 7. It says, You learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. So Epaphras told them the gospel and the Colossians understood it. As it says in verse 6, You heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Now I can remember the exact moment that I learned about 9-11. It was my senior year. I was sitting in English class, and my school principal walked in and made the announcement to the class. That is when I learned about it. And even so, there was a time in Colossae where they first heard the gospel of Jesus Christ that was given to them and in which there was hope held out to them. And this hope is not only something that is learned, but this hope is something that is that rests on the gospel truth. Look at the other portion of verse 5. It says that you heard it before in the word of truth, the gospel. So that is to say the word of truth is the gospel. One is speaking for the other. This hope is founded on a sure word of the gospel. Now ever since the beginning of Internet commerce, where people buy and sell and do all kinds of transactions online, people have been giving to false causes and buying from false retailers. Now, we can have confidence when we're buying from places like eBay and Amazon, the big names, but if you're not buying from the big names, you have to do your research to make sure that that dot-com is not a scam. And with the rising popularity of giving online, we found that many have invested money only to find that it went into people's pockets not towards the cause that was stated. You see, that is in contrast to what we find in the gospel. The gospel is something that's true. The gospel is something that's solid. It's not a scam. And so the hope that rests in the gospel is solid as well. The gospel is where the hope is heard. Now, secondly, heaven is where this hope is laid. This is the future nature of the hope. Verse 5 says, The hope is laid up for you in heaven. This hope is a certain hope. It says that it's laid up. That is to say it's reserved or stored up or kept safe. The question is, it's kept safe by whom? Well, by God. This is one of those times that we see what's known as a divine passive. Something said in a passive way, but it means that God is the one. ...who is storing up this hope. You say, well, why does that matter? Well, recently my daughter was interested in making eggs for breakfast. And of course, you know, one of the first steps to making eggs is cracking eggs. And if you don't crack the eggs right, you're going to get eggshells in the pan. And those who are served by young cooks ought to chew carefully... ...because they may have found an added and unwanted crunch... In their eggs. But you don't have that hesitation when someone serves you eggs who has made eggs for years. And in a profoundly uh, more significant way, we can be certain of our hope, the hope that we hear of in the gospel, because it's God who has laid it up. He's the one who's keeping it. We find it in a reference, to, in a cross reference you see in the margin, 2 Timothy 4 8, henceforth there is laid up for me. A crown of righteousness. This is what's in store. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And we can be sure of it. Because the Lord is going to do it. And our hope then is a certain hope. Our hope next then is a hope that is a future hope. It is laid up in heaven. We don't possess it as we live here on earth. You say, well, what's what's the hope that's laid up in heaven? Well, some people say it's the glorious reward. That is the future heavenly blessedness that the people of God will enjoy. Other people say it's the totality of blessing that awaits a Christian in the life to come. Now, from other passages, we'll we'll know that hope is said to be eternal life. That's what it says in Titus twice, chapter 1, verse 2, and chapter 3, verse 7, the hope of eternal life. That is what awaits us. And one of the cross references you see in the margin of this text is 1 Peter 1. And this is maybe the closest parallel that we have to our passage. 1 Peter 1, 4, and 5. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So this hope is an imperishable inheritance kept in heaven. Very similar language. And that is to show us it is secure, it is certain. And what 5 goes on to say and teach us is that those who are going to obtain it are likewise kept. They're guarded by the power of God. So the inheritance that we'll receive one day is secure, and we who are God's people are likewise secure. He keeps us. But if we want to cross reference that is close to our passage in Colossians one, we ought to just put our eyes down to verse twelve where it says this says giving thanks to the Father who qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. Inheritance. See an inheritance is something that's unseen and not yet realized. You have to wait for it. And even so, the hope laid up in heaven is something that is future. It's something that you have to wait for. And reading this book, Pilgrim's Progress to the Kids, and I always enjoy reading it, how Christian ended up at the interpreter's house. And in the interpreter's house, he is taken into different rooms. Now it says that after they went to the third room, there were two children, named Passion and Patience, who sat in chairs. Passion is impatient. He wants everything now, the interpreter said, shaking his head sadly. He's greedy. He wasted a big bag of treasure. Now he has nothing left but rags. On the other hand, he brightly added, patience is waiting. He's willing to wait for the best things, especially those things that will come later. So the interpreter told Christian not to covet things that are in the present, but to wait patiently for what Christ will give you. And be thankful. And that's the nature of this hope. It is certain, but it's something that is future. And we have to wait for. So the gospel holds out a sure hope. The gospel is where the hope is heard. And the future is where that hope lies. And I bring this up in particular and in contrast to some of what we've done in our study of the gospel so far. A lot of what we've studied in the gospel Thus far has been concerning Christ, his death and resurrection, and how Christ died for our sins so that we can have the forgiveness of all of our sins. But one of the things that we ought to mention as we give the gospel is not only the forgiveness that is offered, but the hope that's laid up for us. There's something future that is truly available for all who receive the gospel. So when we ask the question, If you were to die today, do you know if you go to heaven? The gospel holds out the hope that someone can know. And it's a passage like this that says you'll hear about that hope when you hear the gospel. So when we give the gospel, that hope needs to be a part of it. Father, we ask that you will help us to consider this and to be those who are patiently waiting for what you have promised us. We are certain that you will um, hold it for us and that you will give it to us. And that will be when Christ is revealed and we will be uh, with him in glory. And we anticipate that day. We We pray that you'll help us not to be people of passion who live for today, but people who are patient and who have this wonderful hope. And may we be the kinds of people who hold the hope out when we give the gospel. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.